What's up, guys? I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You will listen to Call the Portion Podcast. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Hello and welcome back to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that finds your lack of faith disturbing. Happy 2019. I am Chris DeHoog and I'm joined as always by my co-pilot Patrick Fletcher. How are you, buddy? Happy New Year. I'm Happy doing New good. Year. Yes, uh, this is the first podcast of 2019 for the Quarter Portion Podcast. have some cool stuff to talk about. We're going to kind of go off the cuff today. We have a few topics that we're going to hit, but... Um, for the most part, it's just going to be a general discussion with a few topics thrown in. Yeah, just ease back into the flow with the new year. It's uh, I don't know, I don't know about you, but uh, Christmas was a long one for me. It's <laughs> uh, what kids do. Just passing colds back and forth, and actually, I thought I was going to lose my voice a couple of days ago. So uh, I'm here medicating with some Fork River coffee porter, and uh, we'll get through this. <laughs> You know what my brother found over the over the holidays, which was really cool. He found an eggnog stout. Really. And it wasn't bad. I have to admit. <laughs> Two things I love. I'm not sure I'd love them together, but uh, I'd, I'd give yeah, them a shot. Yeah, um, I thought that too. It was pretty good. Muskoka Brewery. So uh, you know, if you're local, look it up. Oh, Muskoka. Uh, they do a good job of that. Anyway, that's enough of the uh, craft beer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there was something you found over the holidays that you wanted to talk about, actually. There was. Um, I didn't find it. I'm not going to take credit for finding it. My son Cameron found it, um, and I told him that I'd get him on the podcast and talk about it, but obviously he's not here. We haven't had a chance to put that together yet, but we will get him on the podcast, and we will discuss it with him, because he was the reason that I found it. So I'm sitting around my mom's house on Christmas Eve with the um, whole family. All my kids are there, and um, my son Cameron, who's a big... Uh, big reader of novels, comic books, big movie fan, said, Dad, have you seen the new Star Wars fan film? And I said, I've seen a few. And he says, no, it, it just came out like a few days ago. It's a Darth Vader film. It's uh, it's really good. You should check it out. So him and I went upstairs to the office at uh, my parents' house and um, turned the volume up and closed the door and watched this fan film that uh, so far I mean as far as I'm concerned it's the best fan film I've seen since the Darth Maul Dark Apprentice fan film that came out a few years ago I was pretty impressed with it and then I mentioned to you have you seen the new fan film and um, you hadn't and now we both have pretty cool yeah I'd say I haven't seen a lot of fan films um, but I was blown away by how well done it was like a Obviously, it's still an amateur thing, but you can definitely tell they put a lot of effort into it. What actually blew me away the most was the setting they were in at the end for the for mimicking the Royal Palace of Naboo. Like it looked like they were in the actual thing, like where really they filmed it. Like it looked very accurate. Obviously, it's not going to be spot on, but it, it was a was, very yeah. good approximation. I was impressed. Yeah, that that part definitely had the best of the the ambience. Um, at first. I thought it was almost entirely computer generated, and then after doing a little research on it, um, I found out that it, there's quite a bit of. I mean, all the actors are real. Um, there's definitely a lot of special effects involved in it. I believe it cost around twenty thousand dollars American, I'm assuming, to produce it. Mm. Um, we we should off the top actually give credit where credit is due. This fan film was produced by another Star Wars um, podcast called... Um, I don't know if they're actually a podcast. It's a, it's a YouTube just, channel. Yeah, called Star Wars Theory um, that I tune into, you know, here and there. Um, they always have pretty good opinions, and um, it's definitely a good source for Star Wars opinions and theories, but they're the ones that actually did this. So we should throw that out off the top. This was done by Star Wars Theory. Yeah, I'm not the, uh, familiar with their. I, I, I've seen their channel around. I haven't. I don't think I've watched too much of their stuff. But because uh, YouTube can be a bit of a minefield when it comes to <laughs> to Star Wars content, a lot of uh, it really can. A lot of hot takes on there. I'd care not to listen to. Yeah, the Star Wars series. They're one of the better ones. Uh, they're one of us, hundred <laughs> um, percent. They're they're really good. They open with a, a little clip of Vader's voice. Uh, we would be honored if you would join us, uh, which is the famous line from the dining hall on Bespin and the Empire Strikes Back. Um, 
But yeah, really impressive. A really cool take on Vader. Obviously, this this fan film for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, there's going to be some spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it, um, pause. <laughs> take take if you're going to take an hour out of your your day to listen to us, take an extra fifteen minutes and and pause this podcast and go to just Google Star Wars theory. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, just, just if if you need to, just Google Star Wars Theory uh, fan film. It's called um, what is it called? Shards of the Past, the I think, Part One. Shards of the Past, or, or something like that. Yeah, it's anyway. It's incredible, and if you haven't seen it, make sure that you pause and go and watch it before you listen any further, because there will be spoilers. Yeah, so this, very, it was very impressive how they pulled it off. Um, again, it's obviously an amateur man or um, fan made thing, but it, as far as those things go, it's very impressive. Um, it's almost despite, movie accurate at times. Despite the fact that it's it is an amateur production, the two fan films that have impressed me the most, like I said before, are that Dark Apprentice, the Darth Maul one that came out a few years ago, and this one. Um, there, I, I've said it to myself a few times in watching both of them now. Uh, in there's people in Lucasfilm that should be I, that I hope are actually watching these because there's some aspects. These these neither of these films are perfect. But there are some aspects to both of these films that are really good um, that could be explored in films. Like they, they could take pointers from in a few areas from these guys in, in both these films. Yeah, actually, there's um, like the spirit of them is there, if not the perfect execution. Um, <clears throat> like you said, you mentioned it's not perfect, and like one of the things that I was kind of irritated with while watching it, or not irritated, but one of the things I was kind of noticing was there's a lot of the, the dialogue is not balanced <laughs> like that's the kind of thing yeah. like it makes you appreciate the things that you know Lucasfilm does you know keeping these things tighter and um, concise and um, just like at the beginning how long was he choking Palpatine like <laughs> it must have been a good five minutes of him in a force choke and he's not dead there yet. was um, yeah and they really made it look like he killed him too oh yeah definitely like before, be, before he even knew it was Palpatine like he heard his throat crush and um, but I, I do like the, the way that it kind of rolled around and it was like, you know, Palpatine had this, he knew what was going on. Um, and, uh, it was never out of, I mean, he was never in trouble, obviously, throughout this whole thing. Um, well, of course, it anyway, pans it, out and it's all a force vision or a dream of some kind anyway, so it's... But it, it opens quite, in, in quite a cool sense, you know, Vader's, you know, complaining and hacking on somebody about how they've failed him and how they didn't live up to their promises and he's choking somebody and there's actually uh, stormtroopers or clone troopers actually because this film we should say too the, the timeline of this film this Vader film takes place very shortly I think weeks or maybe a few months after episode 3 Revenge of the Sith so Vader has only been Vader for a short time so there's still Hence the title, Shards of the Past. There's still he's still struggling with his inner Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, and actually, there's um, uh, there was a second Darth Vader comic series that just ended um, last month. It's something I want to come back to, um, but it was set in the same time period. It literally picks up where Episode Three ends and goes for a little bit after that. And having just finished reading the last issue of that a few weeks ago, this movie or this fan film kind of picks up where it leaves off in a way um obviously they couldn't have been intended that way because the the timelines just don't match up in terms of production but um yeah they definitely segue nicely into each other um i was going to ask you about that because you've mentioned this the the uh, this vader this issue of vader that i haven't read yet i'm not and i have to admit i'm not a i've never been a big comic book guy i love the stories love the characters um but I'm I've, I know more about my comic book history from the way that they've appeared on film uh, than than actually reading the comics. But I, I do read them. I, I prefer to read trades. Absolutely, you know, I, six, I, I I hold you know, off on them until then as well. However, seven with or eight this, pages with this just, series yeah. though. The, um, actually, with this Darth Vader series that just ended and the Poe Dameron series that ended this year as well, I found myself not waiting for the trades. I had to pick up a couple issues individually and and read them as I came out. Especially this. Well, one. that's a good sign. Oh, absolutely. There was big stuff happening. Like in Poe, it started to tie into um, 
the time after Last Jedi, so there was a bit of the Falcon after the movie with Poe and Ray and Finn all catching up. Um, oh, cool. Uh, so that that was really cool, but that's neither here nor there with this conversation. But with yeah. the Darth Vader one, uh, there was a lot of buzz about, well, this storyline in general that just ended. So the last volume um, of the series for the trades uh, is called Fortress Vader, and it's about him building his fortress on Mustafar. Sorry, that you're talking about the fort. Just to be clear, the, you're talking about the fortress that we see in Rogue One. That's right. Yeah, the same fortress from Rogue One. Um, so I haven't read the whole arc. I've just read the last two issues. Well, actually, and the first of the arc. Um, but Palpatine sends him to Mustafar to for to build the fortress or whatever, um, and he ends up encountering um, a spirit from a old Republic Sith Lord named Molman. Um, so in the second last issue, he's finishing off with that threat. Um, and the whole goal of him doing this is to resurrect Padme. Um, Molman uh. leads him to believe that he can bring back Padme using um, the fortress as kind of a like a tuning fork, essentially, given the design of it. Um, so the, the last issue, issue number 25, um, is basically like one long extended force vision of him hmm. um, trying to enact this plan. Um, and it goes through basically his entire journey, like his entire um, his entire life up to that point, and what we know sure. of it beyond that. Um, and it's got cool implications for the prequels, the sequels. Really redefines Vader in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, having read that and then coming to this film, um, it was really interesting to. I was like, wow, this pretty much could have picked up off the ending of that comic book, which just came out. Nice note on their part, on on the on, on the team's part to be able to. Um, hit that same note that Charles Soule at Marvel Comics is doing with, with the comic. So one thing I was thinking um, watching the movie was that, holy, like this is almost too over the top, which I was kind of relieved to find it was just a force vision. <clears throat> but um, personally, I couldn't kind of help thinking of the remake Last Jedi petition that came around this summer. Just going like, oh, God, I, I, I hope this doesn't encourage people down that path of logic again. Like, oh, some, like they could do such a better job of the films in this. Like, this is what the movie should be like. The, these fan films, both the ones that we're talking about, they're they're really, really good. And there's they, they I think Lucasfilm could take some notes. But to suggest that these things are better than the film productions is, is, is ridiculous. Um, they're not, uh, these are not Hollywood productions. But they're they're done they're done well and they're they're done with the, the real spirit of the story in mind. Um, and the, like the action know. itself is just so over the top. Like it's not Star Wars in that regard. It's what people, it's what some people I think might think Star Wars should be in that term. But I think there's probably like, people out there that will think that Chris. But at the same time, the people who are, are actually putting the money and the effort into doing these things are doing their own thing and doing things that complement the story, not. Um, not try to pull it apart so you know as long as people with this kind of drive to put these things together i think they're i think they're on our side yeah because like it, it, it's cool to see vader stop four gatling guns worth of laser fire and redirect cool. it like that was cool to see and all but like that's i don't want to see that in a movie proper because that's just too overpowered like how can you ever believe anything that happens in the original trilogy after watching that, right? Like, if that was a, a legit thing in a movie? I don't know. Because, in like, the way that I kind of suspend my disbelief on that is that Vader, Anakin was incredibly powerful, and I think he could have been a more powerful Jedi than he became as a Sith. Um, I think he had the potential to become that. And I think that the Emperor, in his manipulations of him, prevented him from becoming that powerful. Because I mean, Kylo Ren stops one blaster bolt, bolt, holds it, holds it there out of thought, and then lets it go. I mean, if Anakin was the chosen one, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. That in his utmost confusion and anger, he couldn't have done that. Um, I mean, he absorbs all the blaster bolts in Empire that Han throws at him and throws them. It doesn't throw them back, but he absorbs them. Mm -hmm. um, Kylo stopped the bolt in The Force Awakens. And then let it go. Um, it didn't. I thought that was a really cool scene. I'd love to see something like that. It was. I mean, I do agree with you that it seems a bit overpowered to what we've seen. It was more Star Killer kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's a good comparison, actually, <laughs> to Star Killer, yeah, who can bring down a star destroyer out of the sky with his bare hands. Yeah, like Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a neat concept. Like yeah, no, the spirit is great for sure, and I mean yeah. the. 
Lucasfilm should definitely be paying attention because these guys should be working on legitimate things as well if they if they can put this together on their own. Definitely. Uh, one thing that impressed me a lot about this um, was uh, the voice of Vader was spot on. Um, I think they pulled a few pieces of dialogue from the films. Yeah, there were a few that were definitely recycled, but overall, that was a very good synthesizer. Wow, was that a good Vader. Um, uh, even the Emperor, to a certain extent, was really, really good. Padme, Emperor would have been better if he had kept his, if it wasn't so long-winded. If he talked too much, yeah. you could start to hear the cracks in it. Still a very good impression. Yes. but uh, absolutely. The Padme and, and young Anakin were <laughs> really weak, but, um, you know, I can I can get past that. Yeah, they don't need to be. It like, just looks so bad. Vader and <laughs> Vader just... and Palpatine are so specific and like dramatized that it, that, they, that you can reproduce that. Whereas oh, trying yeah, to copy the... Jake Lloyd's voice or Natalie Portman's voice is just you can't necessarily clone that. So yeah, and in retrospect, I'm I'm glad they didn't. I mean that that was it was a small part of of the film, and I'm not hacking on this film. Like if if anybody from Star Wars theory is, is listening, I'm just being. I'm just it's just honest critique um i'm sure you guys <laughs> probably look at it the same way a uh, great film absolutely I, I thought it was really fantastic for you know a, a fan group to a, a youtube channel to put this together i was overly impressed with it um the, the, like the voices for vader were the voice for vader was was perfect the uh the action sequences were incredible the the whole the whole feel of it really felt it really felt like it just happened. And even like the prothesis or whatever they were, whatever they used um, on the Palpatine actor, the face was really good as well. It was very good, very good. And when Vader was hanging limbless um, toward the end where he wakes up from the dream. And right, the, yeah, um, yeah. The Imperial officer tells him that the Emperor is trying to make contact with him. It was really kind of disturbing the way he was hanging there limbless, kind of like in Rogue One. The burned burned skin and whatnot i really i was really impressed yeah and the end again it ends on that um or it takes them back to naboo at the end and well like i couldn't believe couldn't believe the setting they found for that wherever it was it was spot on i'm kind of curious who the jedi yeah. is supposed to fight in the next one's gonna be if well however, however long it takes them to do that well it was obviously mace windu down in that pit because i thought there was a you blue know. lightsaber could be wrong it was purple was it oh Damn. They make mention of it in the film. In the film, it said a certain Jedi with a. Uh, he doesn't say purple. He says uh, violet or indigo or. Boy, talk about a hard. Or talk about a hard impression to pull off. You're gonna have a Sam Jackson <laughs> like uh, look. Yeah, that's there. what I'm worried about. I uh, I don't think that's gonna be easy to, to do. Um, but they he specifically mentions a you know and oh he says an amethyst blade is what he says. Oh, is that, okay. Um, yeah, and that's amethyst is purple. You know, it's there's no other color of amethyst. Um, and when he's down in the pit, and you see the lightsaber ignite, there's this this purple cue. Because um, when he when he mention, when the emperor mentions it to them, there's a, a Jedi on Naboo um, with an amethyst blade. Vader knows exactly who it is because he responds something to the effect of, you know, he how can that that's impossible? How can he be alive? Because yeah. they were both there when he was killed, right? In fact, that was the, the turning point. That's when Anakin became Vader, was when he cut off Mace Windu's hand and took the side of the dark over the, the Jedi. I'm just going to get off the rails here. That I, that was one of the best scenes when I was rewatching the prequels a few years ago before Force Awakens. That mm. just blew me away because I, I finally connected that, oh, yeah, this is an exact parallel to the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, and making, making that connection with that one scene alone just kind of pulled the entire prequels into line for me with the others and uh, yeah, restored a lot of my confidence the, in them. Yeah, The fall, the, 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 the losing the limb, everything. Just the way he's he's staged versus the way Vader was staged in Jedi when watching things unfold. and Totally worth a watch if you're a Star Wars fan. It's, uh, we'll throw a link up on the, uh, uh, on, the, on the website to that. Yeah, I got to say there's a lot of stuff coming out. Um, between this film and that comic and um, even Thrawn Alliances like we were talking about last time, there's been a lot of um, material that kind of has been redefining Vader for me and making me appreciate him more. Because, you know, in the original trilogy, he's a he's he's a fearsome force to be reckoned with and everything. 
but you know he's very slow and kind of he's kind of a flat character overall it's it's all a visual impression at least from the yeah. first from the first original trilogy before you know everything else came out around it um now even like in Thrawn Alliance is seeing Vader's inner monologue um referring to himself or referring to Anakin as a separate entity altogether as the Jedi and and seeing fortress or seeing this fortress Vader storyline finish out and I have a lot more appreciation for the character now than I used to, I think. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of the, uh, um, the new revisionist history. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much depth. There's so much around who Vader is than it was ever explored in the, the original trilogy. You know, um, it's all we knew is that he was a fallen Jedi and now he's this dark Lord to get those backstory pieces, those, Again, like you were saying, like an inner monologue of how he thinks and how his mind's been twisted to uh, to deny his true self and, you know, take on this alter ego, Darth Vader. There's lots of story there. Yeah, like I, I would almost say that, you know, in the original trilogy or at first pre-prequels, you know, we kind of feared and respected Vader because, you know, we had to, right? Like it wasn't so much earned as it was... Um, established through his costume and some minor acts of villainy, because you couldn't mm. have couldn't have a guy in that old original suit do too much. <laughs> it yeah. was a little restrictive yeah. in that way. Then George Lucas tried to add some validity to the character through the prequels, to mixed effect depending on your perspective. Humanized him for sure, um, but then now I think in everything we've seen him in in the new canon, and through modern takes on like this fan film. I'm really starting to think he's really earned it, rightfully so. Like he's really, he really put the work in to make him as fearsome as he seems on film yeah. in, the, in the first movies. Yeah, they well, they've really done a good job in the last. Well, especially in Rogue One, they we really got to see Vader, you know, Hulk out. <laughs> oh yeah, um, like that's that's the Vader I want to like, see. Like that's the kind of Vader freakout that makes perfect sense, right? Like it's not. Oh yeah. You can't flip around and do crazy stuff, but you throw him in a hallway full of <laughs> full of just average soldiers, and you know there's your effect. Yeah, I mean, he's become you know so powerful. Like, like that, he, he, uh, he he doesn't need to jump around and do crazy flips, so he just has to walk well, towards you. Well, that's kind of what I one of my biggest complaints about the prequels was uh, the way Yoda was portrayed in the prequels. I, I really didn't like the fact that Yoda even had a lightsaber. Um, <clears throat> They made reference to it in the old West End games that um, the reason that some of really, really ancient Jedi like Yoda that don't have lightsabers is because they become so powerful in the Force, they don't need them. Mm. It's, it's, it's a tool that's no longer necessary um, for their survival because they become so powerful. And uh, that's um, like when it comes to Vader, he being so you know, limited in his movements because of this suit. The force has allowed him to not need it in a lot of cases, like the like in the film where the, the fan film with all the, the Gatling gun bolts coming at him. It comes to a point where he's like, "I don't even need to deflect these things anymore." It's almost like Neo in the Matrix. It's just like, "Nope, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't do that." I'm going to throw them all back at you. you know I know I mean? kung fu. Yeah, <laughs> want to kind of talk about the comics a little bit. Like, I, I know you haven't read this um, latest series. Or even um, so, this is a, this is the second series they've done in canon called Darth Vader. Why they mm-hmm. chose to name two different series the exact same basic name is kind of beyond me. It's a bit of a disservice to both storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, picks up after um, sorry after Revenge of the Sith, um, literally with the no scene um, showing him actually turning on Palpatine in that moment, and like right from that first moments you know something cool is about to happen that they took that right. scene which a lot of people well which most people find is kind of corny the kind of frankenstein yeah. moment um yeah. and he turns it around immediately and has him um using the force and like attacking palpatine and getting shut down of course mm-hmm. um you know he throws him against the wall uh, and gets and gets shocked um, for it, for his impudence, <laughs> and almost gets destroyed again right away after being pulled back from the brink of death. But yeah, from that from that moment on, the whole series so far has been fantastic. Um, I've read the first two volumes so far. The first one deals with him hunting down 
um, Jedi and building his lightsaber and everything. The second actually mm-hmm. has him fighting Jocasta New, the Jedi librarian, which yeah. might sound a bit boring on paper because, you know, she's just the librarian. But it was mm-hmm. actually a really cool um, storyline, not even so much in the sense that she turns out to be a secret badass. But there's also bigger implications already at that point for setting up the rebellion um, and for passing on um, knowledge of the Force. And actually, it kind of redefines the Chosen One storyline as well. There's a scene where she's saying basically that the Force chooses a vessel constantly. Like, each generation has a Chosen One, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I like you know, that idea. Anakin may be the Chosen One, but Luke might also be the Chosen One. Rey might be the new Chosen One. Um, as Snoke mentions, you know, darkness rises and light to light to meet it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's that's very similar to uh, there's a show they used to really like that was canceled prematurely called Carnival, which de- dealt with uh, you know the the battles, the kind of the ethereal battle between good and evil since the beginning of time, and it kind of suggested what you're talking about there. Whereas for every generation, there's born a child of light and a child of darkness, um, and uh, it didn't actually. It wasn't linear either. Like uh, good could beget good could beget evil. Like so, it could be the father of the the, the evil <laughs> chosen one that gives birth to the the next good chosen one, and and vice versa. Um, kind of hmm. reminds me of it the way you're uh, describing there. It sounds interesting, man. I, I will read it. Um, I don't care if you throw spoilers out. Um, I'll st- I'm still going to read it because we definitely want to talk about it. Oh yeah, no, you, it's definitely one I would recommend. Um, that and the Poe Dameron series that would be my, my would be my two biggest recommendations for people listening. Um, but yeah, the, uh, issue twenty five almost stands alone. Like I said, I, I read it without reading the rest of the Fortress Vader arc. All you need to know is that he's built his castle on Mustafar to essentially get Padme back, or so he thinks. Um, right. Okay. So the, the whole ride through the issue um, just basically brings up every major question we've had about him and his past, and adds new layers to it so it right. um he goes on this force vision first of all there's this cool motif they use the whole series um where he's in moments of meditation where it doesn't show him his physical body it shows his spiritual or force version of his body and it's okay. it's it's a humanoid form where um, the parts of him that are still real show up as this like red and black swirling um mass okay. um and then his arms are different because obviously they're mechanical so they don't show up the same way yeah, um, makes so sense. Th- there was a few times earlier in the series where they would show him meditating and he would be in this form. He's in that form the entire issue, basically, for the last issue. Um, so I thought that was a really cool way of uniting the whole series. And, you know, um, they use it in cool ways because um, as he goes through his life, um, he changes form. So he goes, he reverts to his child form and he's walking along this path through the forest, essentially. And he's in his like Jake Lloyd child form, but he's still in you know the swirling dark side, um, spiritual yeah. form. Um, early on, like at the start of the vision, um, it shows his mother, um, and it, throughout the whole vision, there's lines from the movies that we that he would have heard at that point, and things to come from the future. Um, that's the narration to the whole vision, and at that point. Um, over this image of his of, of his pregnant mother, it says there was no father, and then Palpatine appears behind her, and the images kind of suggest that um, the theory that Palpatine created him, um, it suggests that it's true. Obviously, it doesn't confirm it outright, but it, you know the image of it being there suggests that either it's true, or or it's something that the Force is trying to tell him. Or it's something that he already believes to be true, and the Force is trying to show him what he thinks. Is there any mention of Plagueis anywhere in there? No mention of Plagueis. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what was suggested in the Plagueis novel, right? I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you because in Plagueis, it suggests that Plagueis created Anakin, right? Yes. Or was it uh, Palpatine? Because I, I, I didn't finish reading Plagueis. So. I'd have to go back and check. But one of them, or both of them. Um, I think it was both of them hmm. um, have a hand in it. Uh, maybe Palpatine a little more unwittingly, but um, like Plagueis had the power of life and death, right? Um, right. He was like a he was like a mad, mad scientist essentially, um, except he he used he was the Force was his petri dish. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
but yeah, that you get you kind of had me thinking about Plagueis. Um, yeah, like I, as I was describing it, I knew you would make that connection because um, I know that's one of your favorite um, books. But anyways, it's it's the comics kind of insinuating that you know maybe there is something to that theory. Um, hey, again, hopefully. there's different hopefully. there's different ways to read it because it's a very metaphysical issue altogether. Um, but that's the first kind of thing that it picks up on and throws or makes you think about. Um, shortly after that, he's walking around as 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 a kid, as Jake Lloyd form essentially, and there's a mm-hmm. great panel where he sees his own shadow. And it's Darth Vader, like the like the like the poster back in '99. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, moments from his past. I'm just kind of flipping through it here. Um, you, know, you see him grow up as you you see his spiritual form grow up. Um, it hits the point where he's lost his arm, and then his first arm is replaced in his spirit form. It's kind of right. a cool visual. Um, actually, it flashes ahead. And, and time all of a sudden this is almost like this whole issue is almost like the roll between worlds episode of rebels right um in that he's seeing images of the future but obviously he wouldn't know what it is he actually okay. sees his duel with with ahsoka um from season two of rebels um you have to kind of wonder what he's thinking about at that point yeah um he hears of well the narration says the truths that we cling to depend on your point of view which is something that he wouldn't have even heard obi-wan say yeah um he ends up fighting basically every Jedi that he's ever known. Um, it's a cool sequence. Like wow. I can't describe him justice, but he has two lightsabers essentially um, in his spiritual form, and basically cuts down everybody he's ever, well, that he would have killed himself, or that he would have been responsible for killing. Ah, uh, there's a great bit with um, Palpatine and Obi Wan showing down with each other. Um, and he ends up reaching Padme. Um, there's a great insinuation here with what happens to them or what happens between them that maybe Padme didn't die of a broken heart that maybe she chose not to live and be associated with him yeah um I don't want to ruin everything from the issue but the, the way the the images play out it's almost as if it's retconning the cause of her death that she just right. chose not to live there is a scene when he or, or sorry during that battle with the other Jedi he's actually or sorry the narration says one of Kylo's famous lines, uh, let the past die, kill it if you have to. It's raising so many questions about um, all aspects of the series and that it's uniting prequels, original trilogy, and um, and sequel in a lot of ways. Like, if that's something that Vader heard on this in this Force vision, where did Kylo Ren first hear that? Is that something he... Is, like, has Vader's mask been talking to him somehow? Yeah... Um, is that is that just the world between worlds aspect of it? Um, because there are a lot of things in that episode of Rebels that the people involved in that scene wouldn't have heard. Right. Um, so yeah, very metaphysical, very trippy issue that I was just so excited to reading it. Like I wanted to just go back and read every single thing that's ever involved Darth Vader and just see how it's all recontextualized. Yeah. Well, you got me sold, man. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna dig into that um, very shortly. Yeah, the trade actually, I think, is out in January for this last arc. Maybe I'll um, take it on vacation with me. And that'll be, I think, the fourth volume. So it's a four-volume series in the end. The other series is really good, too. Um, it's a bit longer, but it's uh, it introduced Dr. Aphra. Um, mm-hmm. It takes place after New Hope, and there, there's some cool stuff there. There's two droids I don't really like in it that are like evil versions of R2 and 3PO. I found that a bit <laughs> a little hack eyed, but <laughs> B- Bizarro Bizarro Star Wars. Essentially, yeah. Afro has these yeah. two droids who serve her who are like you know, like you remember HK forty seven from uh Knights, yeah. of the, Knights of the Republic? It's like him with no tact. It's corny in a lot of ways. To be continued. Yeah, definitely recommend um I don't even know what to call it, because they're both called Darth Vader. <laughs> but uh the Darth Vader run by Charles Soule, I definitely recommend it. And uh Speaking of comics, uh, I think now might be a good time for a word from our sponsor and a tune from the Cantina Band. The Quarter Portion Podcast is sponsored by Heroes Comics, Southwestern Ontario's largest comic book and collectible store. Located in the heart of downtown London at 186 Dundas Street, Heroes specializes in new and vintage comics, along with action figures, statues, and collectibles of all types. 
Whether you're looking for Star Wars comics and toys, or the latest graphic novels, manga, and trade paperbacks, Heroes has something for fans of all stripes. For more information, visit heroescomics.ca. Welcome back. Yeah, actually, I kind of was kind of thinking from here we'd um, we have a fan question to get to, um, and I think we can kind of expand the range of it a little bit here too. Um, so Travis Kennedy on the Facebook page, thanks Travis, asked, "If they make the Ben Kenobi movie, what do you think it'll be about?" Now, given that we just spent half an hour talking about Vader and uh, retconning his past and whatnot, I'd, I'd expand it to what do you think a Vader movie could, could be about? We'll do both. So if you're like, if they were going to do a Vader film and or an Obi Wan film, what would we like to see? If you still want to see these things out, there's another valid question as well. Uh, if they're done right, hundred um, percent. Like I, I'm in the minority, but I love Solo. I thought it was great. Um, I didn't think I'd like it, and I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, so let's start with Obi Wan. Um, do I want to see an Obi Wan movie? One hundred percent. I'm not big on overdoing because I'm, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my history and my opinions. I'm not one for making this universe smaller. I want it to get bigger. I want new original stories. However, having said that, Obi-Wan Kenobi is one that I could really use because there's a lot of, there's a lot you could dig into um, between the end of Revenge of the Sith and the beginning of A New Hope. Uh, we've already seen a little bit of it in Rebels. Um, there, yeah, I, I want to see an Obi Wan movie, one hundred percent. What would I want it to center around? Uh, I don't know, man. There's, I, I really have to think about that one. Like, where would I? What would I want the story to focus on? I wouldn't want to see him sitting on Tatooine meditating the whole film, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing to suggest that he went to Tatooine and had to stay there. He just went there to live and hide. There's no reason why he couldn't have gone elsewhere. Um, Yoda did say at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, I have training for you. Obviously, how to um, interact with people who have passed over to the other side, with the mention of Qui-Gon. Maybe he goes in search of other Jedi knowledge, and um, Vader catches wind of somebody snooping around. Um, I certainly think that there has to be another confrontation between uh, Obi-Wan and Vader. Yeah, like I'm, I'm still down for Obi Wan movie um, or TV show because I think the way television is done these days, it would suit Obi Wan's story pretty well to have a ten episode um, series that really, really explores what he's doing. Because when when I think Obi Wan movie, I'm not picturing some big um, action packed thing like the prequels. I'm picturing something that's quieter and slower and more introspective because he can't be running around being the Jedi superhero that he, that he once was, right? Like he needs to keep something of a low profile. Jedi aren't, aren't commonplace anymore. And if he's running around flashing his sword at every opportunity, um, he's going to get himself killed well before, you know, he needs to be, um, passing the torch to Luke in a new hope. So there's a lot of complications, I think, storytelling wise. Um, and I think a lot of people who are clamoring for the movie might not necessarily be, thrilled with what it turns out to be because it needs to be somewhat limited um, yeah and i think lucasfilm's gonna be scared to death of doing that now absolutely yeah yeah my, my biggest hold up when i was thinking about in the first place was well how do you make a great movie about him just hanging out on a tatooine um I've, I've, I've since well, kind of realized can. that he doesn't need to stay there necessarily he can go off planet yeah. you're right um you could but what or, i mean the, the casual fan isn't gonna gravitate to that yeah um like you could totally do a cool story worth of him um, hanging out on Tatooine, and it would be a compelling, a cool movie, but it might not be as titillating as some people might want. Um, yeah. The other issue was, too, like, who the hell do you put him up against in that context, right? Like, what's the villain? What's the antagonist in that film, right? Like, what's... Because if it comes down to it, and he can eliminate a foe with a lightsaber covertly on Tatooine, and no one's going to know a damn thing about it. <laughs> you could have the film end the same way that it ended with him and Maul and Rebels. So all the people who didn't see Rebels would get that moment. Yeah, like a uh, desert showdown, yeah. Ronin style. There's a lot of complications in storytelling with that. Like, you know, what's your what's your atmosphere? What's your antagonist? And all that. Um, yeah, I I do dig the notion of him meeting Vader, but again, it's a bit of a minefield in that you need to tread carefully and not retcon things too hard. 
I don't want to go too much into what Harloff has said. We, we toot his horn a lot on the show. But he was the first one to kind of uh, mention something that, that opened my mind to that bit of dialogue and what it actually meant. You know, when we last met, I was but the the student and, or the apprentice and whatever, that whole bit from New Hope. Um, I, I always kind of took it as, a, now as I wrapped up neatly in, in the in the pro in the in the prequels, but you know there is maybe you can do a movie where they meet again um, and have it not totally tread on the two movies um, surrounding it. Yeah, uh, and explore that a little bit. It's gonna be tricky. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't want to waste uh, an actor of the caliber of Ewan McGregor who wants to do this. Um, so badly. <laughs> I, I don't know how he, it's, yeah, I think... He wants it so badly. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this Solo is just, this whole kerfuffle with Solo has just done so much to slow down the, what was going at a really good pace. It's so frustrating that, in my opinion, a, a really good um, standalone Star Wars film has caused this entire franchise to grind to a halt. I mean, I, I do think it's good that it, they, they kind of, you know, tightened up their reins on all the other ones. I don't need a Boba Fett movie. I don't need a, a, a Yoda movie. Um, I'd like to, I wouldn't be above seeing those characters in other stories, but I don't think we need stories completely surrounding them. Um, I thought the solo worked, um, but unfortunately it's had a, a, a really big reverberation through this whole um, new canon and this, this whole new movie series franchises that are coming out. Um, yeah, like it was, it was a good lesson. Like we touched on this last time too, but um, it's it's good that now they know you can't just slap the name on a movie, and it's not gonna just do well regardless of whatever else comes out around it, right? Like it's not, yeah, it's not untouchable. And a lot of people think you know, just throw you McGregor into an Obi Wan movie and it'll be amazing. But there's like we just discussed, there's a lot of troubles there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's got to be well written and well produced and um, well performed. It's got to be compelling in its own right. It's got to be a story worth telling in its own right. Yeah. Um, like people say, oh, I didn't, need, I didn't, I didn't need Han's backstory. Well, you don't necessarily need a movie of of you um, McGregor, Obi Wan hanging out with Tatooine. It's got to be yeah. a reason for it. It's got to have a bigger impact on the story. So. Um, yeah. I think now, at least, if and or when they do the Obi Wan movie, and a bigger if if they do a Vader movie, which I, hasn't really been a rumor, but I don't put it past them. Um, if those things come to pass, at least they're going to handle it with more gravitas than they might have done before. Yeah, I think that's, that being uh, said, like there are some cool stories that already have been told in the new canon of Obi Wan. Um, there's an instance in the one Star Wars mainline where um, actually Luke finds his old journals when he goes back to Tatooine, um, and there's stories he he reads about. Uh, he uses that as a, as a bit of an interlude through the mainline series. Um, there's some instances instances of him, you know, defending the the Lars farm and everything like that. And there's actually a story to the same effect in From a Certain Point of View, the 40th anniversary of New Hope short story collection. Yeah. Um, so people have already been kind of testing the waters on that. And I think there are cool stories you can tell of him not being a Jedi, just being Ben Kenobi, the crazy old man on the, on the, on the Dune Sea. Um, yeah. But again, that might not be that might not be what everybody wants, right? Like everybody might want him running around, "Hello there," and giving us more prequel memes. <clears throat> but that's not where I see this movie going potentially. Yeah, I think they're certainly gonna have to wait on it a little while. What about uh, like a Vader a Vader film? Let's let's jump over to that one. Yeah, um, kind of the same things we've already been talking about with the comics and whatnot. There's. Um, a lot of tension between him and Palpatine, which I think could make a, a good movie in its own right. And Palpatine's yeah. constantly testing him. Um, and the one notion they raise in the fan film is that he's actively training him to replace him. Like he's actively yeah. training Vader to kill him in one day. Like he, he knows that's the way the Sith roll. While that's something that's kind of played down in, in the movies and whatnot. Like I think Palpatine in the movies truly believes he'll be around for three or four apprentices to come. You know, there's potential for them to explore that in the movie as well. Or even just show him hunting down Jedi for a while. There's going to have to be more to it than that. I don't... I, I mean, if I could only pick one, I'd rather see a, an Obi-Wan movie. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's there's way more potential there. 
because um, with an Obi Wan movie, you could have Vader in it. You could have Vader in a lot of standalone films without having a completely focus on Vader. That's an yeah, interesting type or tightrope to walk. Actually, like how much do you, you how much do you lean on him? Right, like it, it'd be easy to throw him into Solo. You know, Han's flying by a Imperial blockade or something. If Vader happens to be on the Star Destroyer, that's there. You know, do we need to see him thrown in casually here and there just to be like, and here's Vader? It's a tough, it's a tough call, man. But I don't, I, I'd rather see. I hate to use this guy as a reference, I really do. Um, but it does fit uh, the point that I'm about to make. When Howard Stern. <laughs> um, was approached about making a movie about himself, which I hate to say, I'm not a big Howard Stern fan, but the film, like the, the kind of semi-autobiographical film, Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie, I have to say was actually really good. It was really good. It was, it was really good. It was really well made. It was really funny. Um, I totally enjoyed it. And I remember seeing an interview with Howard Stern because he'd been asked numerous times over the years to make this movie to make a movie about you know himself and he he turned it down like year after year after year after year he's like no i'm not going to do it i'm not going to do it i'm not going to do it and people said you're afraid to make a movie and he says i'm not afraid to make this movie i'm afraid to make a bad movie right and i respect that line you know because when he finally got the um the right i don't know producer directors whatever he got it turned out great you know what I mean? Um, I'd rather not have any film than a bad film. Whatever they do, they got they got some great writers out there. And uh, like I thought, I thought Solo was written wonderfully. I'm in the minority on that, but you know, as long as it's a good, as long as it's good and it holds to the spirit of the story, you know, I'm game. Yeah, like you, like you really hit the the, the the nail on the head at the at the top of this talk. Actually, like uh, if it's done right, I'm down. Right, like. It might sound like a cop out to say that, but it's it's a fact, you know. It's I don't care if you, you know. It's not it's not going to be my first choice, but give me a give me a Yoda movie if it's done right, I'll take it. That's one thing. Like that's like the top of my list of things that I hope they never do. I don't. That's it's always been a thing. Like okay, uh, it's a big temptation to explain things there probably. But that is just one mystery that doesn't need to be solved. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm more using it as like a kind of a thought. You know what I mean? Just to use it as an example. But um, like I'm, I'm even afraid right. that anything that um, these new series from Benioff and Weiss or from Ryan Johnson will even be set in that time period where he's alive. Because I'm just afraid they're gonna shoehorn some like, and here's teenage Yoda <laughs> for no yeah. reason. Again, though, I mean, it could still be done right. Like, um, it could. It, it's just it's a it's a matter of how easy is it to or how hard is it to, to do it right. You know what I mean? Anything like, done it right? Depends, is yeah, good Star it Wars, de- but depends on the context. Like, if you'd have told me, like, be, when we knew nothing about Rogue One, that they'd have Princess Leia and in it, Tarkin, yeah, yeah, and I'd be like Tarkin, I would have gotten. You know, and I would have got that because it's right around that, that proper time period. But Leia's going to be in that. It's like, well, how, what? Like, you don't have to have her in that. But, well, you know what? Kind of did. Yeah, and, at the end, like, I couldn't imagine it ending any other way. No, the ending was the, the, was the highlight of the film. It's that last bit of connective fiber that, that the movie needed. Oh, yeah. It ended on such a high note. Um, it was probably my... I mean, I don't think, I think of all the Star Wars films, of all of them, I think if I had to choose my favorite last five minutes of any of them, I mean, Rogue One. It's definitely a top contender, you're right. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, it, I'm saying it's the best Star Wars, I mean, you know me, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big on, on Rogue One, really big on it. I'm not saying it's the best or my favorite Star Wars film, but the last act of Rogue One was pretty damn good. The last ten minutes, definitely... Oh God! It was whole roller coaster, just or... beautiful cinematography and everything. Absolutely, right to the the last line of dialogue, hope. You know, like it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah, and of course we're getting into subjective waters here too, because what's done right to us might not be done right to the next people, right? Like there are people yeah. out there who say the Last Jedi doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, our friend Jay was. Uh, he he wasn't he wasn't a huge fan of Rogue One, was he? I don't remember um, actually. Yeah. 
I, I, I think, and Jay will, <laughs> I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think, I didn't think Jay really enjoyed Rogue One all that much. Um, and I, you know, it's, again, like you were saying, it comes down to differences of opinion. To me, it's one of my favorite Star Wars films, period. Um, the Vader, I don't think we need another Vader film. Obi-Wan, I would definitely want. We were talking before about uh, some other ways to involve characters into future films. I don't necessarily think you have to make these films about one in particular character in order to involve several. Like, uh, uh, like a, a solo film with uh, Boba Fett and with Darth Maul might work. Those characters don't have to necessarily all cross paths because, you know, Solo obviously cannot ever come across Darth Maul. It can't happen because he doesn't believe in the Force. But that doesn't mean that Maul can't be this character behind the shadows, you know. Well, actually, you know, talking about doing it right, there's a way you could interpret it. Sorry, there's a way that, that you could stage an encounter between Han and Maul or even Han seeing Maul for a short period, right? Because he says in A New Hope, oh, it's, it's no match for a blaster at your side. Maybe he only sees a glimpse of Maul, and it's like Maul's moment of defeat at, like, Kira's hands. Could so be. He's, he sees enough of Maul to see him fail and not buy into he also the says, force nonsense. He also says it's a bunch of simple tricks and nonsense. Like, he could see something that, you know, he might just explain away as sleight of hand or something like that, right? Yeah, like, he might he might see the fall of Crimson Dawn and the circumstances that lead him to being trapped on that planet in rebels so oh yeah this guy who led crimson dawn he was he had the force yeah right that guy was crazy and you know there's nothing to what he was talking about so there's, yeah. there's a way to there's a way to dance around that um again different set of mind or it's a different minefield together but uh yeah like my ideal solo sequel hardly involves han actually like he'd be a player in a much much bigger ensemble of the bounty hunters and boba fett and jabba even like my dream solo sequel would involve Jawa's cartel or the Huts altogether opposing Crimson Dawn um, and giving some closure to the Kira storyline. So uh, they left it wide open on purpose. Oh, absolutely. They're de- they clearly wanted to do more, and they still could. I hope right they don't time, do that. Right time, right place. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, it's time to sign off for today. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are free. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber Club or on Facebook and Instagram at Quarter Portion Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer it on the show. Check out www.kyberclub.com for all our contact information as well as our blog. You can find me on Twitter at Django Fletch and on YouTube at Wilderness. And I'm on Twitter at Hoogathy. Until the next time, may you be one with the Force. And may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is a production of kyberclub.com.